Perfect. Hi, Sam, and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast. How are you this early morning? I am good. Drinking my coffee, so starting to feel a little more normal. Yes, it's brilliant <laughs> to have you here. I'm really stoked to be hearing your story. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we have a bit of history working together during your pregnancy, and I'm just super duper really excited to hear about your birth and I know it's really early for you it's like 5 30 for you in the morning in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and I it's actually 11 30 here but I feel like it's 5 30 I've had a huge morning I'm still a bit disorientated myself and just before starting recording we were like yeah well you know two halves make a whole so hopefully you know, we'll get our shit together and this will be an epic story for everyone to hear. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that our, you know, delirious states will bring some some funny moments and some gems too. <laughs> yes, yes, perfect. Brilliant. Well, with no kind of further ado, um, I would just love to hear a bit about your pregnancy journey, how you decided to have the natural birth that you had yeah, and about your like preparation for that for that birth as well. Before we kind of dive into the birth story, if you would wouldn't mind sharing, please. Yes, yes, absolutely. So the pregnancy itself was mostly a total surprise. What happened was it was early uh, 2021 January. My husband and I had flown down to Mexico for a plant medicine journey, and. In my second ceremony, I had the most powerful vision of a baby coming through and the love that I felt for this baby was so strong, so intense. And the message I heard was I'm ready to come in. And prior to this, we had not planned on getting pregnant. Uh, I was still unsure if I even wanted to have children. And I had several of these same like spirit baby situations come in, in my own breathwork journeys, but having it come through in the plant medicine journey was just so strong and so powerful that I could no longer deny it. So when we got home, uh, I said, well, whatever happens happens. And that's just how we're going to roll the dice right now. And we thought we would start trying in the fall of 2021 Well, that same month that we got back, I got pregnant and I wasn't tracking like nothing. So it was so wild how it just happened so quickly. So he definitely was ready to come in. um, And I was not, (laughs) I was not ready, but um, quickly fell in love with the whole process. And even though during my pregnancy within like that six week mark hit and I immediately started feeling the nausea and that what they call morning sickness, I was feeling that all day, like a lot of women do. Yeah. It's a bit silly Um, to call it morning sickness because it's not just in the morning and like most women have just like, and for some it's like in the evening or, you know, all over, all over the show and all over the days. And I don't know who invented that and why we keep on saying morning sickness. It's just sickness. (laughs) I know exactly because that night I would even feel sicker than I would in the morning. So, and it was like, no matter what, nothing really helped. I tried all the natural remedies. Um, And I just had to surrender and embrace it. And it truly is the message that came back Mm -hmm. to me 
from the plant medicine through pregnancy, through my birth and delivery was that surrender piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was huge for me. It was just such a powerful lesson. I learned so many lessons along the way through this pregnancy and birth. And he just keeps teaching me more lessons and how to grow. And it's so beautiful. But yeah, pregnancy was pretty rough. Uh, Just feeling that all day sickness. And I was hoping it would go away my second trimester, like a lot of women um, start to feel better in that second trimester. But unfortunately, I didn't. It just lasted through the entire pregnancy, literally up until my delivery. Wow. So yeah, that wasn't fun. And then of course, just the normal stuff, like the fatigue and um, the getting used to carrying that extra weight around. I think that was a lot for me too, because I'm more of a petite person, but thankfully almost right away, I started implementing chiropractic care. I did that every week. I was doing prenatal yoga. I was of course doing meditation. I was reading a lot. So during those first two trimesters, especially, I was just trying to fill myself with as much positive input as I could both physically, mentally, and emotionally, because I know how many times and how easy it is to get wrapped up in the fear of all of the what ifs. And that's exactly what I worked with around with you is that fear piece I had coming through because it was around the same time that we ended up moving out of our home Mm -hmm. because um, I found out my mold levels were like sky high in a specific environmental mold is really toxic for pregnant women. And what was really wild about that is that I had the urine test set in for minerals and vitamins, and they accidentally ran it as a mold test. And I'm of course, so thankful they did. And that's exactly what was meant to happen. Um, and it just led to this huge ca- cascade of events with us selling our home that we had been in um, for five or six years. And it was built in 1875. So I believe that's one of the reasons why we had some of the environmental stuff going on. Um, and then we're now in a apartment in the city. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, I can't have a home birth in an apartment. Like, that's crazy. Uh, so I also had to work around that piece, that self-limiting belief. I couldn't have a home birth, a beautiful home birth in an apartment. Um, And now we're building our future home in the forest. So his birth just, yeah, it truly led to a cascade of beautiful manifestations unfolding in my life. So I'm so thankful for that. But it was definitely a lot of shifts in the pregnancy that left all of these unknowns, which just kind of fueled fire to um, some of those inner anxieties and fears that we have as first time moms um, as to how everything's going to unfold. And then it's like, I didn't have responsibility over my body anymore. It was about this child coming in. And so I just felt so much pressure. And I, after talking with so many moms and pregnant women, I've heard them express the same pressure and just the stress that's put on us to make all of these decisions because ultimately the choice is ours, but it also can feel really heavy at times too. And also kind of out of your control as well, because the Yeah, you can do a lot of preparation at the end of the day. Like you said, the surrender piece is huge and that actually the moment of birth and the process of birth is so out of 
our control, isn't it as well? So it's a big of, yeah, big of letting go as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a few books that really helped me during that time was Reclaiming Childbirth as a Rite of Passage and then Mindful Birthing. So both of those were recommended to me and they really made a huge difference. And even with my work as a breathwork teacher, you know, the type of breathwork that I teach though, conscious circular connected breathwork is more of a breathwork used to release stored energy, emotion, trauma, emotional wounding from the body. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't doing that deep work while I was pregnant uh, because it is it fully safe to do so. Mm -hmm. And I was doing more of the mindfulness breathing but even with all my tools and the meditation piece and everything, it was still really difficult. So mm -hmm. I can completely understand how women can start to just be consumed with the stress of it all. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that the awareness that it's okay, that, you know, we don't have to have all of the answers mm -hmm. and that when we do have that faith piece, like you helped me with really mm -hmm. tuning back into the faith that I have in God to direct and guide this and just let go of all of those worries. That was huge. And I know it's easier said than done, yeah. but that faith piece really helped me. <laughs> well, I really, I really think that what you're saying is so wise though. And I find that actually, you know, Sam, um, women who do choose to work with me deeper are usually teachers and women on, on their path who really understands, um, understands that we all need that. And like, you know, as well, that if you already done a lot of like work on yourself, usually birth is like more of an initiation, more of a rite of passage in the sense of bringing potentially lineage stuff, ancestral stuff. Um, there is this opportunity during your pregnancy and birth to clear a lot of stuff, not just your own potentially. And the more aware you are, actually, the more kind of you have done your work, sometimes the more comes up. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree with that. Because you can hold <laughs> yeah. that, right? It's that saying, of yes. like, you, you never get more than you can handle. And so when you, you know, it's, it's that then the work never freaking ends, right? You never like, oh, exactly. here I am, Dalai Lama. Mm -hmm. You know, you're never going to reach that because the more you open up, the more you can hold, the more you can also transmute potentially for other people through you and your lineage, right? So, yeah, it, yes. you know, it never gets yeah, I was truly like so energetically and emotionally sensitive around this time as well. So definitely tapping into all of that. For example, I went to, I remember going to like a yoga um, yin class and she was diffusing all of these beautiful smudges and it was Palo Santo and um, just everything under the sun. She has all of these incenses there. And just from that experience, I was having like really powerful visions and like out of body experiences. And so I truly, it, for me, that line into the spiritual world was so thin during pregnancy. And I'm not sure if this is the same for other women, but I think that that was also really attributing to some of those anxieties and or fears coming through because I was just so sensitive during that time. Yeah. Yeah, and it's that opportunity, right? I mean, we always have that opportunity in life, always, 
you know, to either suppress, which, you know, never really leaves us. Sometimes it's going to, you know, erupt, but we have this, you know, the choice to suppress or numb or whatever, you know, cope, which sometimes that's what we need to do. And then we can handle things when we have the time and space, you know, or we have the opportunity all the time to meet everything that comes through, right? Um, and it's really amplified in pregnancy, just as you say, the veils are very thin. Yes. Yeah. I definitely was not expecting that. So that was really powerful. Um, and then when it came to actually choosing a birth team, it <laughs> was very up and down. So I actually went through, um, let's see, three different midwives. And I guess third time is a charm yep. because of the experiences that I was having. And along the way, I was just listening to my intuition um, about, is this a right fit? along with, is this a, the right environment that I want to birth my baby in? Um, and it just kept changing. So for example, I first was going with the hospital midwifery team, but, uh, when you do so it is whoever's on call is going to deliver your baby. And I really didn't like the idea of that. I wanted a connection throughout my entire pregnancy and to feel fully safe and fully seen by one woman and have her full support. Um, so I was initially having appointments with one woman there and she was a great midwife. I really connected with her. And then she said, you know, you should probably try a couple of the other midwives just to ensure that you feel comfortable with everyone. And so my next appointment, I had an appointment with a different midwife and this midwife was very pushy and she was asking me like very strange questions already. It was only my second trimester. And she's saying, what form of birth control are you going to get on after oh. this pregnancy or after this birth? And yes, just, and it made me so uncomfortable and I felt so pressured and I already knew I wasn't going to be taking any birth control after <laughs> that. We would just be using um, protection like we were before. And so I immediately after that situation, I left and I remembered the same feeling of just ugh, after um, allopathic medicine visits when I was dealing with Lyme disease and facial paralysis and all of these other things in my life and why I had gone the alternative route in the first place. And it validated in my mind right then and there, I need to do a home birth. I can't do this at a hospital. Yeah. And that. so I, yes, yeah, it was like I said, just a really powerful um, lesson for myself. I can trust myself that I can do this on my own. Um, and so I found a home birth midwife and she was great. And we met through, I believe six, six and a half months. And then I get an email that she had to have emergency back surgery and would be on bed rest through my delivery date. And so I was like, a little panicked in that moment when I read that email, um, thinking, how am I going to find a midwife at such short notice already? Um, so I did some research and I actually had a friend who used to be a doula. And so she's worked with many of the midwives around the area. And I'm thankful for her input because I actually found out that she had some not so great experiences with that midwife that had to go on bed rest. And 
Instead, she referred me to a midwife that she had worked with um, who was just a certified independent um, midwife, not a nurse midwife, but one that had a lot of experience. She had been a midwife since 2004. And she said, I would birth with her again in a heartbeat. And so I interviewed her and right away we clicked. Um, and I really loved her very hands-off approach to the whole experience, uh, which I'll get into in my actual birth and delivery. But it was of course, as most things turn out always for the best and the highest good of everyone. So even though during that time, it felt really stressful me kind of switching between all of these different midwives and support teams, um, it ended up to be the perfect people to support me during my birth. I love that. And I love that you really, really trusted in your gut feeling and that you didn't settle. Um, because you know, a lot of women don't want to be a nuisance and don't really realize that the power is theirs. You know, they don't claim it to say like, actually, I have a, I have a great gut feeling about this midwife or doctor or whatever. Right. And to realize that you're not a nuisance and you can change all the way up to, you know, to your birth. Like it is truly, this is yours to claim. And I really encourage all mamas to do so. Absolutely. And I even leaving that appointment from the hospital birth or from the hospital midwife appointment, um, I called their front office and I said, you can cancel all of my future appointments because I had made two more when I was there. And I said, I had a bad experience with your midwife. She was really pushy and I didn't feel safe and I'm I'm not going to be going this route anymore. And I wanted them to have that feedback. I love that because that is also so rare that actually people will do that, right? Most people will just uh, ghost. That's a new thing, isn't it? I hate ghosting, but that's yes. like on all levels. Right? <laughs> ghost. Instead of like, you know, there is an opportunity here to like, for them to realize um, for her to potentially realize how she's affecting people like feedback is great and we shouldn't be so afraid and I feel like it's getting worse in our society people are so afraid to speak their truth and to do it in a loving way it doesn't mean you know to give feedback doesn't mean you have to be uh, rude you can be really gentle and loving and say actually this is how I feel and this is my no or this is my yes and just yeah let's do that people right more of that <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Open up that throat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I also in my third trimester in something she encouraged as well, I started drinking red raspberry tea every day, like f- literally five bags. Um, <laughs> and then, it. yeah, I started eating like five to six dates a day. Right. So I was literally doing all the things. I was stretching my birth ball, still doing the chiropractic care, going for long walks. And I was experiencing a lot of Braxton Hicks contractions and they would come and they would go never consistent here and there. Uh, And I was convinced that I was going to go to 41 weeks because I was a new mom. This is my first time birth. Like all of the experiences and stories that I heard where typically moms go over. So I was at 38 weeks and five days and it was daylight savings. And I wake up at 4am and I just felt this intense pressure on my uterus. And I was like, this is different. This is definitely different. This is not a Braxton Hicks. So I went to the bathroom. I came back, I laid in bed, 
gently woke up my husband, told him something is going on. Something feels different down there. I'm having a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. And he just kind of brushed it off. We went back to sleep. And then that morning we woke up a couple hours later, just essentially went on with our day as normal. So just running errands, going to the grocery store, those types of things. And along the way, I wasn't really expressing it to him, but I was continuing to have between two to three contractions an hour. And they were steadily getting a little more intense each time, um, just feeling it a little bit more in my body. And I really couldn't ignore it anymore. So I just started tracking in my notes section, my phone, the time of the contractions and when those were coming in. And it was around three or four o'clock that they started coming more consistently. And then I told my husband, okay, I think that this might be happening today. Um, and he was like, no, it's probably just your Braxton Hicks contractions, probably just false labor. Like he was in total denial, especially because he knew that I was still technically early. Um, so, so how many weeks were you then? 38 weeks and five days. Yeah. Which is not early. Like that is super term. Like, you know, it's yeah, that was your normal. Exactly. Yes. So I think, you know, releasing that expectation would have been really (laughs) great for me because I had scheduled clients that week. Like I had a full week packed with one-on-one clients with different appointments. I was going to acupuncture and reflexology and like all the things. So I was in early labor and I was on my computer, like emailing everyone, like telling them I was going to have to cancel. Um, So it kind of felt like a frenzy where the following week was completely clear. Um, So knowing this of me next time, Mm -hmm. my body, I definitely will be clearing my schedule much sooner, probably like 35 or 36 weeks at least. Absolutely. I really encourage like at the latest, like 37 weeks, because that's like, so term month is from 37 to 48, uh, 48. Oh my God. No, 42 weeks. Um, and uh, I really encourage us not to work past 37 weeks. Like, and if they can earlier, like give yourself that gift, like to really drop and just be with this pregnancy that especially your first, like this is your first time around all of that, you know, just indulge in it. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I had planned on all of that (laughs) and it, you know, kind of went out the window, but of course it's not about our timing. It's about their timing. And it's, um, wild because the day before we were at a sound bath and I was during the sound bath, I was so uncomfortable. And I remember my midwife telling me, you know, when it gets to the point in your pregnancy where you're just so utterly uncomfortable, you're, you're going to know it's time. And I was so uncomfortable during the sound bath, trying to relax. And I was just talking to my baby and I was saying, I'm going to surrender to your timing when you're ready to come through, I'm ready for you. And having these like beautiful visions. And then of course the next morning he's like, I'm ready. (laughs) So it was really wild how that all unfolded, but I definitely was going to continue to progress um, that day. I knew it intuitively in my heart that this was this was the day he was coming. So it was around seven, eight o'clock that the contractions started coming every like four to six minutes. And so I really knew it was on then. And I started um, 
expressing this to my husband that, you know, things are really starting to pick up. And he was like, well, call the midwife. And I had been texting her and letting her know what was going on. So she knew, but she was also an hour away. So I didn't want her to drive all the way here. And then my labor completely stall or slow down. So I was also keeping that in mind. Um, But I think that the men tend to worry or encourage that support a little sooner than we do. So at least in my case. So I finally called her around eight o'clock and said, I think that we're ready for you to come told her where my contractions were. So I called her, I called my sister who had also planned on being there and they both arrived around nine o'clock. And so during that time, um, right before they arose, um, came, I was diffusing Clary Sage, putting it like on all my pulse points. I was doing acupressure. I was like rolling on my birth ball. I was just wanting to ensure that everything kept flowing the way it was. Um, and so I was just trying to encourage that as much as possible. So when you did decide for them to come, what made you feel that way? Were you, were you feeling like you didn't feel safe alone? Did you feel like, okay, it's ramping up. Like I need some support. Did you just feel like, oh yeah, I just want to have them in my space. That's why I can just release and let go. Did you feel like, did you have a regular kind of strong contractions at this point or what, what was like the, that point for you? Yeah. Like, yeah it's time. It was definitely a combination because they were coming very regularly at that point. And then they were each hour getting stronger. So I'm in my mind thinking, okay, if I'm here at eight o'clock, where am I going to be at nine o'clock? Because I know for some women, things can progress really quickly. And for others, it's a very slow build. And knowing that this is my first birth, I didn't know how my body was going to react. So I wanted them there just in case things did progress really quickly. Um, So when when my midwife uh, came around nine, she said, you know, you're, you still seem pretty early. You're able to talk through the contractions. Um, there's still a smile on your face. So you have time. And she's like, why don't you just go in the bedroom and relax because you're likely going to have a long night ahead of you. And so when I went in the bedroom, I tried to lay down and close the door, turn off the light and just relax. But each contraction as I lay down was just getting stronger. And I soon discovered I didn't know how to surrender and relax during them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that it was, you know, tensing quite a bit. So laying down wasn't working for me. So I started kneeling over the bed, started going to all kinds of positions um, that felt good, started really moaning and breathing through them. And that was really supportive, but I was like, okay, I'm not going to get rest. I'm not going to get a nap. This is happening. And I'm really thankful that actually ended up on daylight savings because I had gotten that extra hour of sleep technically. So I had the energy there and truly during this entire process, um, I was amazed at my own inner strength and the strength of my body to keep going because it definitely was a slow build for me, but um, it was around 10, 11 o'clock that things really started to progress. And I was um, no longer able to really talk through each contraction. It was um, getting more and more difficult to do so. Mm. And um, I was just birthing, essentially laboring 
on my own in my bedroom. My sister was on the bed. My husband was on the bed, but I was pretty much just doing my own thing for probably like four hours. Mm -hmm. And then we had planned on having a tub in front of the bedroom in um, right in front of the bed, actually. And so we waited, they waited quite a while until I was starting to make some really loud noises <laughs> and they said, okay, it's probably time for you to get into the tub. So my birth team, the doula and the midwife, they were out in the living room, just sleeping, relaxing while I was in the bedroom yeah. laboring. Right. And, um, then they finally came in and about four hours later and started filling up that birth tub. And it was around the same time that I started to have this urge to push and I, um, I'll, I'll back up. So I was having to go to the bathroom several times right before I got into the tub. And then I was seeing my mucus plug come through because I heard this. I knew that this was a thing. I heard that some women's would come out like weeks before they actually went into labor, but mine was coming out literally in the labor itself, like in between contractions. And then, yes. Yeah. And then, so they filled up the tub for me. I got in the tub. It felt really relieving. It was nice to be in the water. Um, I was having really strong hormonal shifts that were coming and going. And I was, um, that nausea that I had talked about, it was literally right up until literally he was born. So I was purging a lot. I was vomiting, um, which she told me could potentially happen. And then it was getting very hot and very cold. So those hormonal shifts were giving me like, you know, the sweats and then I was really cold and shivering. And so they had um, frozen bags of fruit that they were giving me to put in my head and towels. And so to have them there um, and knowing what I needed before I could even say anything, because I really couldn't say anything. Honestly, it's such an internal process. It was just incredible to have them there. I remember my doula at one point, she could see I was working through a contraction and that my whole body was tensing up as it was coming through. And she's mm. helped me and talked to me through relaxing through the contraction. I remember the pain level going down drastically during that specific one. So it really is powerful to have um, someone there that can help coach you through that. Yeah. It was, was incredibly supportive, especially to have such a nurturing female presence. And she had five children of her own that she birthed at home. So mm -hmm. she really understood and knew where I was in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I love that my birth team gave me so much independence through the entire process too. They weren't coming in every five minutes and doing checks. My midwife never did a cervical check. She said, there's no point. It's yeah. only going to increase the risk for infection. And yeah. where you're dilated now is going to be um, no, uh, you could be somewhere completely different in a half hour. So there's no point in checking you. I love that. And I just like, I can't say this enough. And I, I just feel like every time this is mentioned by a woman, I, I just try to reiterate like vaginal checks. It's not evidence-based practice. It is, it's the opposite. And it's so true because we're not linear. The cervix is not linear. It doesn't just open a centimeter an hour 
or you know it can it can close up if you're fearful like it is this own living breathing thing like just doing its thing and one thing you have to know about the cervix is that it's super shy like if you remember that <laughs> like if it's super shy it's not it's gonna want to hide if someone puts their fingers up there right if you you know what I mean like it's just not so I really am annoyed at cervical checks being such a huge part of mainstream you know birthing culture and that women still um, like want it and think that it will tell them something useful it's like but will it really like will it really if it's if you, you know if you check yourself oh you you're just no quotation marks three centimeters how is that going to affect your labor process? Are you going to think like, yay, I'm three or like, oh no, I'm three. Like it's such a long you know, way to go because actually you don't know, you know, three centimeters, you could be like really close or like days away. Like actually, you know, it's, it doesn't tell you anything. And so I love that she said that for me, that tells me that's a really wise, like really um, knowledgeable midwife. She knows what she's talking about. Yeah, her confidence and she, she's also just very like fierce, like tell it like it is, which I needed. That's exactly what I needed in that moment to reassure me that everything is happening exactly as it should. And there's no reason to do those checks. Um, I think that we're so used to seeing women in the hospital and they have the monitor around their belly and the nurses are coming in every couple of minutes and they're checking this and that, and you're hooked up to all these machines. And mm. I didn't have that experience at all. And it's not the experience that I wanted. And so I'm really thankful for that. And that the only time that she really truly came in was when I started pushing, that's when she was there. Um, and so, you know, the doula would come in more to check on me, but that was emotionally. And that was to help coach me. But for the most part, she just really sat with me and she she allowed me to be, and my entire birth team did that mm. because, um, it is truly just such an internal process. Like I had mentioned that I wasn't really aware of what was going on around me. And, um, I was just surrendering fully to my body. And so just to have them holding space for me in that process was incredible. Not talking, not asking me questions, not poking me <laughs> like that's what I really needed. And I think that that's what all women really need. hundred percent. If you are not having a medicalized birth, then you need the absolute opposite of a medicalized birth, which is, you know, no intervention. Cause then it's you, like it's you birthing your baby. No one else can do that for you. This is your claiming your right of passage, right? Um, if you choose to have a medicalized birth, then in a sense, you are handing over that right of passage because then you are being monitored. Someone else is telling you what's right and wrong with you, what you should do, you know, what your body's doing, what your baby's doing. But when you don't choose that, you choose to fully claim your birth. And then no one else has any business but you to claim that. Like, you know, you're the expert then. No one else is the expert. It's a radical difference, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And so empowering. And that, yeah, it was, it was incredible. So I was really thankful for that. Um, looking back now, of course, at the whole, how it all played out, um, truly thankful that I had chosen that midwife and that support team. So my water actually didn't break until I was like in the pushing phase. So I got into the birth tub 
And almost immediately, like I said, had the hormonal shifts were really intense during that time. And my body had the urge to push. So I started bearing down and I started pushing and it felt completely involuntary because again, I had completely surrendered to my body. So it was just doing its thing. And I was like along for the ride. And so I was really not expecting um, the intensity of the pushing phase and the screams got really loud. I remember my husband saying, I thought they were going to call the cops, like are the people above us <laughs> thinking like someone's getting murdered because I was just screaming, but I didn't care. I was like, I never even had the thought someone's going to call the cops or had the thought that there's people above me. I had no care in the world. And even if they did, like, what are they going to do? Right. So, um, I was, yeah, just really expressing as much as possible. It's such a primal experience for me. Mm -hmm. And my midwife said, you know, let's bring that energy down. Let's start uh, grunting more. Yeah. And, uh, so that really did help. And so I started bringing the energy down. I started grunting. I will say that it felt as though all of the blood vessels in my face were popping, like just the amount of pressure I remember feeling was so powerful. And it, that's when my water broke. It was in the water. I just remember mm. hearing a, there was like a pop and the water kind of swooshed. And yeah. after my water broke, it almost immediately became more powerful. The contractions, the intensity of it. She was like, oh, there's your water. And then of course, knowing that, okay, this is going to be happening soon. <laughs> I think that when you're in the pushing phase, sometimes it can feel like it's going on forever. I thought, I remember thinking in my mind, this baby's never coming out of me. Like this is just taking forever because it had been, of course, when you're in it, I had no recollection of time. I had no idea what time it was, or, I mean, time just didn't exist. And so my sister said it was about two and a half, three hours that I had been pushing for. And I knew that I was in transition because I started having these thoughts and all of these, um, like, I can't do this. Like just feeling really defeated because I had been going on for so long and thinking, why am I not at the hospital getting the epidural? I'm crazy for wanting to do this at home and just having all these doubts. And I never said that out loud. I just remember saying, um, I can't do this. And my midwife was like, you're already doing it. <laughs> this baby's coming. And so, you know, to hear that support and that encouragement, it was, it was nice, but there definitely was the doubts for sure. Like you can't deny that. Um, and I know for some women, like my sister-in-law, for example, she pushed like for a couple minutes and the baby came out. And so when I'm in it for hours, I am thinking this is never going to happen. <laughs> and so it just, it felt really long, really drawn out. Um, but I knew that when I started having those thoughts that, okay, this yeah. is likely transition. Um, and the midwife said, let's try moving into the bathroom because I said, what if I try sitting over the toilet? Cause I knew that that could help some women. And we could tell that pushing it in that position in the tub, it was just stalling. And I wasn't able to get into the position I needed to, um, because I kept moving and things just weren't feeling right. And of course, just listening to the intuition of my body, 
So wobbled over to the bathroom with their help. And at this point I could tell he was like right there. Like he had dropped quite a bit and I couldn't feel his head yet. I kept reaching down and trying to feel his head. I couldn't feel it, but I knew he was so close. So when I went over the toilet and just opened up my pelvis um, and kind of went into more squat position with the support of the counter and someone's arm was there. Uh, that is when he started crowning. So his head finally started to come through. And I was thinking, I just want this baby out of me so bad right now. Um, because the intensity of the crowning was a lot for sure. Um, but I, also knew like I was so close at this point. So I wanted to um, push as hard as I could make each push really count. But my midwife was really urging me, let's slow down. Let's breathe because I also of course didn't want to tear. So I'm really glad that she was having me um, be aware of that and uh, just bring me back to my breath, which really encouraged me to slow down. And um, she said, your baby has a lot of hair. And I remember thinking, I know he has a lot of hair because I had the worst heartburn and indigestion through the entire pregnancy. Um, so intuitively I knew there would be a lot of hair. And so I was standing over the toilet at this point and I was, um, it, more in front of the toilet. So, you know, I wasn't going to birth him in the toilet. So I was standing in front of the toilet and I was leaning over my husband over his shoulders and my midwife was down below kneeling. And so she's, you know, checking the heartbeat through, um, during each or in between each contraction. And, um, she's coaching me and then the doula and my sister are, standing right in the hallway and they're just watching and I am just focusing all of my attention. And that's all you really can do anyway on, you know, continuing to move him out. And so as the head started to come further out, she, um, I don't think she ever really pulled on the head, but maybe just kind of um, encouraged the movement a little bit. And so as the head came through, and of course that's always I believe the most intense in part. Um, then all of a sudden it was like this big whoosh and the entire body just slips out. And I was in total shock, like total shock, total awe. My entire body was shaking from the adrenaline. I had no idea that I would be birthing my baby standing up in my bathroom. Like that is the last <laughs> The last place that I thought it would actually happen, but of course it's really not up to us. Right. So yeah. I just, a lot of to babies are born in the toilet, aren't they? Like a lot of babies are born in the toilet. I can't even tell you probably half of all the babies I've ever attended their birth, you know, they're born in the toilet. Wow. Yeah. 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 So that was, um, just a huge feeling of relief when his body came through. And I remember just sitting down, she handed him to me right away. He felt so slippery. And I looked down and the first thing I did was look between the legs because we actually waited to find out the sex. And 
the entire pregnancy, I was convinced it was a girl. So many people thought it was a girl. And so when I saw there was a boy, I just remember looking up and saying, it's a boy. And everyone was just like, so surprised. Um, my sister, the doula were crying. I was still in like complete shock and awe of what had just happened. Like I couldn't believe he was here, um, after that long journey. Uh, and I was just feeling incredibly thankful. And then he had a full head of black, thick hair, and he just looked so big, like so meaty without even, you know, seeing the gender, you could see it was a boy. And that was, um, so surprising to me. I, he didn't look anything like I expected him to look. And I always said during my pregnancy, I want a big baby. Like I just, I want a big baby. They're so healthy and beautiful. And he was almost nine pounds, eight pounds, eight ounces. So he was definitely a full grown, happy little baby because when he came through, he did not cry. He literally didn't cry for like the first day. Mm. I couldn't believe just how alert he was, mm. but so calm. He was, he was so calm, just looking around and, um, he was probably in a little bit of shock himself. So, you know, just looking around, taking everything in and it was just amazing. Um, truly just so amazing. And so we walked over, I was holding him kind of waddled back over to the bedroom because of course the cord was still attached. I laid down, placed him in my chest, um, right away, kind of put him, you know, took off my sports bra and tried to get him to latch. And this whole time was probably about 20 minutes, um, of them just letting me lay with him and bond. Mm-hmm. And then my cord was completely white. So she said, okay, we can cut the cord. It's been about 20 minutes. And so my husband came in and he cut the cord and, um, it just, everything during that just felt so surreal, truly so surreal, even looking back at it now and explaining everything. And then, um, after that, she said, okay, uh, we can try to birth the placenta. And so I handed him over to my sister or no, Tate was holding on to him with my husband, with his bare chest at this mm, time beautiful. and doing skin to skin. And mm. then I tried pushing out the placenta laying on my back and she was kind of tugging a little bit. It wasn't, wasn't coming. And so I said, let me try squatting. And so they grabbed the bowl and I squatted over the bowl and after like two or three pushes, the placenta came through. And I was just surprised at how big it was. <laughs> I was like, oh like, how is that in me? And so that was such a wild feeling of having the placenta come through. And the midwife said, wow, this is a really big placenta. So yeah. I actually had um, the placenta made in capsules um, because after the birth, I didn't know whether or not I would want to take them, but I wanted to have the option. Mm. And, um, I'm really thankful that I did because there was a dip in my milk supply when he was two months old, I got COVID and it tanked my milk supply. And I started taking those placenta pills and it brought my milk supply back like almost immediately within a couple of days. So I'm so thankful I had those. I also noticed when taking them, I had an increase in energy. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I still have them, most of them, but I'm really thankful that I just have them, um, for future use. 
Mamma mia, that's amazing. What a story. Yeah, it was powerful. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. And I love that, you know, so many mamas are scared of birthing big babies. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with size. You know, if, if a baby's easier not to birth at all, really, right. you know, and I, so I love this, you know, I love when, I mean, that's a perfect size baby, it's, you know, it's a perfect size baby. That's not a, I wouldn't call that a big baby. That's just a, that's a baby, you know, and mm -hmm. we, you know, we, we grow the babies that we can birth, you know, it's, it's become such a culture talking about big babies. And I think we need to, we need to rectify that as midwives. We know this. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. I trusted that my body would be able to um, birth him. And I remember the midwife at the hospital telling me, well, you know, if the baby's too big, we need to watch that because then his shoulders could break or, you know, they're giving me all these, what is, I forgot what it's called with. And it's like, why even put that into my mind? Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I'm really thankful that again, I didn't go that route. I trusted my body, my baby. Like you said, mm -hmm. I knew my body wasn't going to uh, make a baby that would be too big. Like that's doesn't make any sense. So, um, I and just, yeah, about, you know, breaking shoulders, which is just crazy that, you know, yeah, there's a higher prevalence of that in hospital because they, because they do all their, their things. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we're not going to go into the whole cascade of interventions and what can create that, but like that, those things are only really seen in hospital, you know, it's very extremely mm -hmm. rare at home births. Yeah. Yeah. Because the baby will find its way out, like you know, mm -hmm. it will. It will, if given time, given space, yeah. you know that you pushed for three hours would not have been allowed again. Quotation marks, because you know we know that no one else can allow you to do anything, even in hospital. But you know, they would have wanted that baby out sooner than that because you're on a timeline, not because you're in danger. Not because your baby's in danger, but because there's a time limit to like, this is how long you're allowed, allowed again, freaking quotation marks <laughs> to push. Yes. Like, you know, for some mamas, yeah, it's like a short pushing phase. Most first time mamas is, is a bit a longer one, but you know, not for everyone, for sure, not for everyone, you know, and it can be normal for some to have a few hours, th two, three hours to open the channel you know they might be that, that you went through right you had that kind of doubting you had to like really go through the letting go the trusting the transition happened for you at that time so sometimes that needs to take place before you can fully open the you know your channel and, and get the baby out so there's so many dimensions to this isn't it yeah mm. so if you had a first time mama in front of you right now who's about to have her first baby and she really wants to have an empowering and positive and natural birth experience. What advice and pearls of wisdom would you give to her? I would definitely say to release all expectations um, for both the labor and your postpartum, mm -hmm. because I watched so many natural births on YouTube, for example, and I didn't realize I was picking all of the like mindful births or like these 
the um, title would be Beautiful Natural Birth. And so I was watching these moms birth these babies at home and they were so quiet and mindful and they were having like orgasmic bursts or they were just, they look so, it looked so easy and so seamless for them. And they looked so Zen. And in my mind, this is what I'm picturing, especially as a breathwork teacher, but that all went out the window for me. And so I did not have the expectation at all that I would be um, in such a primal state and that that would be my birth, that my birth was going to be a very primal and a very vocal birth Mm. and that screaming and grunting and making all those noises is totally okay. Mm. Um, And that sometimes that is going to be your norm. And so for me, that is my norm. And I know that now (laughs) and that, you know, having this beautiful, mindful type of birth isn't always going to happen. And so I wish I would have watched more of both instead of only watching these like beautiful orgasmic bursts, watching also the really intense ones and the ones where women were screaming and pushing for hours like I had um, and knowing that it's a possibility and that that's okay. And that is also beautiful. And because I had that experience, I was able to discover the true strength of my body. My backstory is healing from all types of chronic illness, like Lyme disease. So before the pregnancy, you know, I had um, a vision of my body in a more weakened state from that. And so this birth truly, it would like gave me this, um, this badge of no, like your body is so strong. You are so powerful. Mm -hmm. And that for me, the intensity of it was actually my gift, um, to show me that I could go through that amount of intensity And I can come out the other side Mm -hmm. and have now this beautiful baby boy. Mm -hmm. Um, It just truly leaves me in awe. So that was um, a huge part of just releasing all expectations. That's what I'll be doing for my next birth. And then also letting go of expectations around my postpartum, because in my mind, I didn't realize the amount it was going to take for my body to come back and heal and how even though I didn't tear, um, you know, I was really sore for weeks and literally months after that. And now Eastwood is three months and I'm just now like going for long walks and Mm. doing some light yoga. And Mm. so I had no idea that it was going to take this long. Um, I think that especially here in Mm. the States, that bounce back culture is so big. That that was my, yeah, that was my expectation that, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm just going to bounce right back from this birth. um, And I'm going to have all this great time and energy with my son. And in reality, I, I'm still waking up like last night, four times to breastfeed. um, And it's yeah, totally normal. And I'm thinking, oh, by three months, he's going to be sleeping through the night. We're going to be on the schedule. And it's like, no, that's not reality. (laughs) No, not at all. And now these, you know, months, it's going to go through all these growth spurts and keep changing and potentially even breastfeed more. And like, no. And it's like, you'll never bounce back. Like there's no bouncing back ever because you are new and your life is new and your body's new and everything is new. So the whole bounce back will, I mean, raise that, you know, 
from our culture because it's so damaging um because your body will never be the same it will be more beautiful now it'll be more amazing now it will never be as was you know and that's not a bad thing it's just different and also like your baby will never be on a schedule if you don't go against nature if you want to be you know consciously parenting if you want to continue to breastfeed for longer than just a few weeks or months like you need to be breastfeeding throughout the night like that's the most important time to breastfeed and I love what you're saying because you know this is one of the reasons I you know did the nourishing postpartum course because this is like the biggest thing right you know the postpartum is just so overlooked and it's not you're not giving yourself the time because we are in a culture where we don't give is you know ourselves time for anything it's like the attention span is so limited and we're just constantly stressed and we're so full of stuff to do like postpartum is a time where you do nothing except heal and bond and breastfeed with your baby like for absolutely a year. like you yes. just and go super slow like we need to bring back slow into our lives also in pregnancy I think but especially postpartum like just you need to be slow and you just need to communicate with your baby and yourself and like what do we need today that'll be different from yesterday and different from tomorrow and just be super gentle yeah yeah I think we focus um I know I did as a new mom so much on what's going to happen during the labor that like you said the postpartum was really overlooked and even though I listened to a couple podcasts on it I wish that I would have taken a more immersive experience and more dedication to educate myself on postpartum because that really threw me for a loop, um, especially with him. Like he had trouble with breastfeeding in the beginning and, uh, you know, all the healing that my body was doing. There's just so many, it's just such a huge learning curve during that time between you and baby. And so that's really when you need the most support. hundred percent, like definitely. And it is, it is, it's just, again, like it's so overlooked and not talked about generally it's getting more and more you know talked about but just not enough and especially not by the mainstream kind of system at all you know you kind of just assume to get up and go and just do your own thing um and i i think that both preparing for your birth and your postpartum is equally as important um of course as a first time mom a lot of focus and energy goes to the birth because it is a huge you know it's it's Mount Everest. It is, you know, it, 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 then imagine going to Mount Everest, like after you're going to be pooped, right? <laughs> you're going to be like, you're, you've just done this massive achievement, just like birth, just like Mount Everest. Like you need a plan for how to like take care of yourself after Mount Everest. It's the same with birth. And yeah, yeah. I love that wisdom that you now have that you would wish you'd done some more delving into that and preparing and you know potentially you know learning more about it and I really encourage all mamas listening to this to consider this as well yeah absolutely and just coming back to that that inner knowing that you can do this that I went through this whole lesson in my healing journey that I am my own healer that we're so used to seeking external validation, external approval, external help that our healing comes from outside of ourselves. When in reality, we have that power and we also have that power to birth our babies independently without the help of um, intervention. 
And so that was another really powerful lesson for me. And again, to have that birth team that supported, that held the space for me to do this independently um, without the need of interventions and essentially to give me that gift of you are a mother now, and this is a empowering part of your journey into motherhood. That was truly so incredible. And the inner strength I now feel like I can truly accomplish anything after I went through that process. And I'm thankful for that, that I didn't give that power away in a hospital setting. Wow. This just gives me goosebumps and just, there's just this deep restness in me because I truly believe that, you know, if all women had this experience, like you're speaking about, like our world would dramatically change because women would come out of that, you know, experience of birth, knowing their absolute strength and power and like just not settling for anything that is not like a full body yes and that is not like caring for our planet caring for our communities our babies our children future generations you know the climate everything you know we would just be this unstoppable force and this is why claiming birth is so pivotal to humanity Absolutely. Love it. Thank you so much, Sam, for sharing your story. It's just so lovely to to hear it and to see you again. And it's, yeah, thank you for coming on the Natural Birth Podcast and sharing your wisdom. It's been a pleasure. Of course. Yes. Thank you so much.